fellow Americans, trickle down. Trickle down economics has never worked. It's time to grow the economy from the bottom and the middle out. That was the voice of President Joe Biden during his first address before a joint session of Congress. This wasn't officially a State of the Union speech, but it really did have all the bells and whistles. Biden spent most of his time pitching his economic vision for America, which includes direct aid for child care, universal preschool, two years of tuition-free community college, and other policies that are meant to target income equality, inequality here in America. I think it's fair to say that this is maybe the most ambitious progressive agenda we've heard from the occupant of the White House since the 1960s when Lyndon Johnson rolled out his great society uh, ideas. Biden says he's going to pay for all of this by making the most wealthy Americans start paying their fair share in taxes, and he promises to do it without increasing the national deficit. The speech comes two days before the end of Biden's first 100 days in office, and it drew a very quick and bitter response from the GOP. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott gave the Republican response, and in it, he not only took on the ideas in President Biden's speech, but the spirit of the idea of the Democratic Party and what it stands for. Scott said that the divisions in America, the disunity in America, are being driven by Democrats and liberals and their focus on race and racism. And he made this incredible statement. He said, America is not a racist country. Now, that comment has gotten a ton of blowback all over social media uh, overnight and uh, this morning. And I think it is uh, a theme that the GOP has kind of adopted lately, uh, asserting that America is not a racist country and that's these discussions about race and inequality in America are efforts to kind of tear the country apart. That is where we want to begin the conversation today with President Biden's ideas and this Republican response. And of course, we want to hear from you, the listeners, about how you're taking all this in. What did you think of President Biden's uh, speech uh, last night uh, before a joint session of Congress? What have you thought of the first hundred days of the Biden administration. What did you think of the ideas that the president rolled out last night, which represent a much more progressive agenda than we've had in this country for a really long time? Uh, Many of those policies directed straight at the income inequality that, uh, that defines American life right now. And what did you think of the GOP response to President Biden? What did you think of what Tim Scott said about Democrats and their focus on uh, race and inequality and the idea that uh, America is not a racist country. Do you agree uh, with that statement or do you think it's uh, an outrageous thing to be saying? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter and put comments there and we'll try to work you into the conversation Uh, That way. And and joining us now to talk about the speech and Biden's first hundred days in office is someone who has been covering those hundred days really closely. Matt Viser is a White House reporter for The Washington Post. Matt, welcome to Detroit Today. 
Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's start here. What was your big takeaway from the president's speech last night? And put it in the context of this first 100 days. Uh, What has he gotten done? What still remains? Is this uh, an administration that is really pulling it together in the way that the president promised they would when he was on the campaign trail? Yeah, it was a really interesting speech in a number of ways. Um, As you outlined, I mean, I I think sort of one of the broad takeaways is is certainly his vision going forward and and, uh, um, the massive amount of spending that he's that he's seeking to to execute it. Um, But it really kind of was also a pivot point where Biden reflected on the first hundred days, which have been pretty dominated by the coronavirus and his administration's response uh, to it. Um, a lot of those things, um, you know, have been have been temporary. It, he, he passed uh, or he signed into law a one point nine trillion dollar package um, that also was quite ambitious and, and sweeping. And many of those things in that proposal were to deal with with temporary things. Mm-hmm. A lot of the tax credits in that expire after a year or, or they were one time stimulus checks. Um, what he's starting to outline now are, are more permanent changes to American society and, and the government's role in it. Um, it, it and, and there was also, you know, at the tail end of the speech, kind of this interesting, um, almost defensive democracy. And he, he sort of juxtaposed throughout his speech these more traditional sort of cheerleading for the country, that, that America is on the move again. But there were also these warnings of existential threats to American democracy. Um, and he referenced a country that repeatedly flies flags at, at half staff because of mass shootings. Mm-hmm. So it, it was alternately kind of optimistic about the future, but, uh, but also talking about many of the, of the problems that still exist in, in the United States that he's, he's hoping to, to change. Um, and then lastly, I guess I would say that there was a familiarity that I think he had in that room. Mm-hmm. You know, his one of his first remarks was, uh, it's good to be home, or it's good, <laughs> it's good to be back. You know, it is a chamber that he's witnessed many speeches before. Um, he's familiar with many of the people in the room, and, and you could tell in a lot of his asides. And he did veer off of his prepared text quite a bit. Um, and I, I just thought that that was interesting and maybe gives us an indication of, of where things may head because uh, a lot of his proposals are going to meet stiff resistance from Republicans. Yes. And um, the, the, the next questions are sort of the political dynamics of how and whether he can get any of these things done that he was outlining last night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, one of the most powerful parts of the speech wasn't something that the president said it was this visual that we had of Vice President Kamala Harris and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi bumping elbows uh, before the address began. This is the first time during uh, a joint uh, address to Congress by the president that we've had two women sit in those seats behind the president. Uh, th- there are lots of firsts like this kind of happening right now, but, but that visual, I thought, was, was pretty powerful. It was a striking visual. And, and, you know, I think it was 14 or 15 years ago when Nancy Pelosi was the first woman to be mm-hmm. in that position behind a president. You know, prior to that, it's been all white males in those two seats. Uh, so 14 or 15 years ago, you had the first woman and now you have two women, uh, one woman of color, you know, and, and I, 
I, I do think that it was it was a striking moment. Um, and, you know, the elbow bump between the two of them. Um, the other visual that was there were, were the masks. You know, both of them were masked due to the concerns over the coronavirus and, and recommendations from the congressional physicians. You know, so you, you really had a lot of visuals that made, you know, kind of this historic moment in a familiar setting, but in a much different environment and and with, you know, two women for the first time mm-hmm. uh, sitting behind the president of the United States, uh, you know, and, and and one of them could could at some point occupy that, uh, you know, that that microphone spot, yeah. you know, Kamala Harris. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm talking with my advisor. He's a White House reporter for The Washington Post. We're talking about President Biden's address to a joint session of Congress yesterday, his first such address coming just before uh, he hits the 100-day mark of his administration. Uh, he rolled out a lot of really ambitious proposals, things that would really transform the way government operates uh, in our country and the way government targets things like income inequality uh, with legislation. Uh, he also talked about race. He also talked about guns. Uh, we're going to talk about those things in a bit. Uh, and, of course, he drew a very bitter response from South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, who gave the Republican response to his speech uh, and claimed that Democrats are the divisive party in our country because they continue to talk about racism and inequality. Uh, he also made a really stark assertion. He said, America is not a racist country, something that we are hearing, I think, increasingly from conservatives uh, and Republicans in response to the discussions that we're having about how to make things fairer uh, in our country. Uh, we want to hear from you about what you thought of the speech last night and what you've thought of the first 100 days of the Biden administration. Uh, is he doing the things that you expected he would do? Is he being effective uh, in the role. And what did you think of this grand slate of ideas that he unveiled yesterday? Um, also, give us a call and let us know what you thought about what Tim Scott said in response to Joe Biden. Are Democrats and the conversation about race uh, the driver of division uh, in America? And do you think America is a racist country? Do you think uh, the way it's being characterized in these discussions about inequality? Uh, is is inaccurate the way Tim Scott uh, says it was. As always, again, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, and uh, we'll work into the conversation that way. We've already got a, a number of comments I want to work into the conversation, uh, Matt. But uh, first, I want to talk a little about Uh, what the president said about race and white supremacy. He did invoke both of those uh, issues during his speech last night. He said white supremacy is terrorism. And I want to listen to the clip of him talking about this. And we won't ignore what our intelligence agency have determined to be the most lethal terrorist threat to the homeland today. White supremacy is terrorism. So that is the first time I can remember a president of the United States uh, being that brazen about describing white supremacy uh, in that chamber. Uh, Biden also mentioned George Floyd and called for police reform. Uh, But talk about how significant it was to have the president of the United States call out white supremacy in that way in that chamber. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it it's not surprising given Biden and, and some of his rhetoric uh, during the campaign and since becoming president. But I, I do agree with you that the setting, you know, of a joint address to Congress uh, referring uh, to the racial uh, aspects of our country in that way, it, you know, was what's striking. And, and I think it's also striking given the context for, for President Trump and, and some of his his rhetoric was more kind of a wink and a nod sometimes to, to white supremacy. So it, it was a difference. Um, and, and I do think, you know, Biden uh, has started to push a little bit more on on police reform and it changes to the to the way that the country deals with um, uh, shootings of, of black men and in the wake of George Floyd. And Biden had this quote in there where he, he said last night, uh, we have all seen the knee of injustice on the neck of black America. Now is our opportunity to make real progress. And so I think you're seeing him kind of try to make a bigger, at least rhetorical push, you know, for Congress to to move. Um, as you've alluded to, though, you know, Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina, is is one of those people in the Senate who, who the White House is, is trying to, to work with um, on on some of that legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, his his comments don't don't necessarily pretend well for uh, for 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 compromise. It, it, you know, I mean, I and I think we're we're headed toward, you know, um, kind of a dicey political debate, uh, you know, of, of two different philosophies over um, over race in America and, and how that should be should be dealt with. Um, but it has been something that I think Biden has kind of adopted, um, particularly over the last year or so. It's just covering his campaign. The, the killing of George Floyd was kind of a turning point for Biden and, and at least how he, he spoke about mm-hmm. matters of race in this country. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it also it also uh, strikes me that having, of course, having Tim Scott, the only black member of uh, the Republican caucus in the Senate, deliver that message was was, uh, I mean, quite purposeful and and really quite uh, genius of, of, of sorts to have him deliver that message. Um, but but he's not the only person, as I said, in the GOP who who has been saying that this does seem to be a theme that they are coalescing around this idea of saying America is not a racist country, which is a very simple statement. Uh, it of course glosses over lots of 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 history and nuance that I think is really under important to understanding uh, that issue or talking about it, but. But I see it kind of emerging as a rallying point for people who just are maybe tired uh, of the discussion about race and and don't want to see things uh, change. I I was, I guess, not surprised to hear Tim Scott say it, um, but but I I sort of immediately identified it as uh, as a consistent talking point now uh, by by the GOP. Well, and I, I think it goes d- deeper too in, in, a, in a critique of Biden and and really what he's trying to do w- with a lot of these government changes is is reckon with a country whose policies over decades or centuries have have been unequal in its treatment of of citizens. Um, and Biden is trying to rectify that, but. But to buy into those programs and those changes, I, I think you have to be on board with the idea that the country has, 
you know, not been equal mm-hmm. and, and, and has not treated people equally. And there is a, a racial aspect to that. So I, I think that um, Tim Scott, in a, in a very concise way, is cutting against a lot of what I think uh, Biden's worldview is and, and what he's trying to address with some $4 trillion in government spending mm-hmm. that would kind of change a lot of things and, and make up, try to make up for, um, you know, government policies over, over the decades. Um, Biden has not necessarily been on board with reparations, you know, in, in terms of that, but th- there has been this idea of, you know, Biden talking about uh, Jim Crow and, and Biden talking about the Senate filibuster be, being a, a relic of a, of a racist, you know, uh, aspect of our country. You know, so there's a lot that I think um, that Democrats want to change in order to deal with a lot of this. And 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 Tim Scott's like what, that one phrase, you know, kind of highlights, I think, a little bit of, of the battle that, that may unfold on, on whether the country uh, is a racist country or not, yeah. and 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 if so, how far do we want to go to to make changes to 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 amend for that or to change that? Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Matt Visor of the Washington Post, and we are going to get to your calls and comments. Dennis and Dearborn, David and Bloomfield Hills, we'll hear from you on the phones. We've also got a number of comments on social media that I want to read and put into the conversation. And if you want to join us, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Your city. Your town. Your voice. On 1019 WDET. Detroit's NPR station. Thanks for joining us. My guest is Matt Visor. He's a White House reporter for The Washington Post. We're talking about the big news in Washington yesterday. Joe Biden uh, going over to the Capitol and delivering uh, his first address to a joint session of Congress. Not officially a State of the Union address, but it had all of the markings, really, of a State of the Union address. Lots of ambitious legislative policy that uh, the president put on the table for lawmakers, uh, lots of things that he says will help close the income inequality gap that uh, exists in our country and would really change the role of government in uh, dealing with income inequality. Uh, It also, that speech, drew a pretty pointed response from South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, who is uh, the only African-American member of the GOP caucus in the Senate, uh, he said that the things that the president and other Democrats are saying about race and inequality in this country are the source of the division in this country. And he made a very stark statement about it. He said, quote, America is not a racist country, something that we are hearing increasingly from members of the GOP and other conservatives in answer to the discussions and the arguments that we are having about inequality right now. Uh, We want to hear from you about what you thought about the speech, what you thought about the president's ideas, and what you thought about uh, the first 100 days 
uh, of the Biden administration, which is uh, coming up really soon. Uh, has he done the things that you expected him to do? Has he been more or less successful than you thought he might be? Uh, and uh, what do you think about these grand ideas he now is putting in front of Congress to really change the way that government uh, operates? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter, and we'll work you into the conversation uh, that way. Big Neo on Twitter says, uh, The Founding Fathers created the Constitution and the Bill of Rights to cover all men. So on paper... America hasn't been racist, but in practice, it has been. The real issue is that certain practices are still in play, and it's hard to remove them from the system. John on Twitter says Tim Scott was 100% correct. All of the, quote, blowback on what he noted is coming from the left, which needs to pretend racism is a problem in order to push their hate. Milton Friedman showed years ago how Biden is wrong regarding, regarding Reaganomics. Uh, two really convergent uh, comments there from uh, from social media. Uh, let's go to the phones. Uh, let's talk with uh, Dennis in Dearborn. Dennis, what's on your mind? Hi, hi. Good morning. Thank you for uh, accepting my call. Just on uh, overall, on a uh, one to ten basis, I go eight for Biden. But what I'd like to focus on is the metaphor of the original sin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, metaphors are helpful. They nudge you towards a thought. But they, are, they also always limp. There's something missing. So if you go back to original sin of, as a biblical concept, it's the apple. But we don't know what the apple is. Except in that story, there is a great deal of struggle. Uh, Adam and Eve have the first committee meeting, the first bureaucracy, and they argue about the use of power. <laughs> the use of power. And, and so when, when uh, Senator Scott says there's no racism here, at the, and at the same time, talks about his skin color causing him to be stopped. That's an action. That's a sin. Somebody sinned against him in that action, chasing him around the store. Somebody sinned against him. That's an actual sin that comes from the original sin of, of, of power, and, and it, it has a consequence. So if you talk about the metaphor of redemption— hmm. You know, you have original sin, you have redemption. Well, in the midst of that, you have actual sin. You have things that are done that demand conversation, admission, and repentance. Mm. Mm. And th- those things can be talked about, and they were missed by his comments. Yeah, uh, Dennis, I really appreciate the call and the and the really thoughtful response you have to, to what Senator Scott said. Uh, one thing I want to sort of highlight there is— the, the the genius, really, of having uh, Senator Scott talk about the kinds of discrimination he has faced, as he called it, the pain of discrimination, uh, and then assert that America is not a racist country. I mean, it, it really is uh, a, a very pointed argument uh, aimed at, you know, disarming uh, the discussion about inequality. I mean, if you can have... An African-American man who says, yeah, I've been a victim of discrimination, but this still isn't a racist country. I think for a lot of white Americans, uh, that makes it a lot easier to believe that uh, race is a figment of the liberal imagination or of African-American imagination. And of course it's not. I mean, uh, we we talk all the time on this show about 
how ingrained uh, that inequality is in this country and why it is. Uh, Matt Visor, I wonder uh, what you think of Dennis's uh, insight here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with the, the, the idea of having Tim Scott sort of be the messenger for some of that and, and talk uh, with some authority about his, uh, you know, his own experience, you know, in dealing with race in, in this country and, um, and, and having, you know, to, to grapple with it himself um, and coming from it with a different perspective, that, that it doesn't mean that the country is racist. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, even if he has been um, targeted in some way uh, by, you know, some people who are racist, you know, and so I think that gets at the, the, the dicey debate over whether government policy should be changed as a result. And, and, and Tim Scott seems to be suggesting, uh, no, that the country as a whole, you know, is, is, is not racist and there does not need to be this national reckoning um, over it, uh, whereas Joe Biden and many Democrats have the opposite view, uh, you know, which is um, that that there are policies that need to be changed, that there does need to be a broad reckoning, whether that's police reform or or, or whether that's um, changing housing policies and 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 kind of kind of making up for decades of, of policies that have. Uh, been unequal, um, and, and so I think that's the debate that I, that I, I think what we're heading toward. And whether you agree with the terms of the debate and the parameters of it, mm-hmm. I, I think is is the position that we're at right now. And, and Tim Scott is clearly kind of entering that debate uh, quite forcefully here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, Dennis, thanks very much for the call. Let's uh, go to Marilyn in Oak Park. Marilyn, what's on your mind? Hello, Stephen. Hi. First of all. The first the first hundred days tradition is stupid, especially considering <laughs> everything that's happened in the past several months. Now, as far as last night, Senator Tim Scott should have started his response with "Once upon a time," because it ended up to be just one big fairy tale full of delusions regarding Trump's so-called accomplishments. And he had a custom-made title for this fairy tale. It could have been. America is not a racist country. I flushed Tim Scott's credibility down the toilet after hearing his speech. Furthermore, when I want a religious sermon, I'll go to my church, not to a politician. Hmm. That's it. Uh, uh, Marilyn, uh, really appreciate the call and the many thoughts there. Uh, let's start with this 100 days tradition, which you, you don't particularly care for. Uh, I mean, I think it's it's uh, you know kind of a shortcut to to real assessment of of a presidency, but it is I think a, an an accurate way to think of beginnings and how people sort of pull things together to get started. It is very difficult to build a new administration, uh, especially when uh, you are uh, when you're elected as the president of one party and and you're taking over from somebody who was of another party there's not a whole lot of uh, of help you're going to get from from that old administration uh, Matt talk a little with our listeners about that 100 day notion in Washington uh, and and how they might understand it uh, better here in, in in Michigan I mean it is a very inside the beltway concept but I but I but I do put some stock in the idea of of it being uh, important to to get off to a good to, to a good run uh, once once you're elected. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, and I think I think Maryland is 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 right in a way with that it, it is a little bit artificial, right? I mean, a hundred days is it, is not. There's no there's no reason in particular. Um, <laughs> it does have its origins though in in uh, in Franklin Roosevelt, and and that is a president who the Biden administration has taken great inspiration from. In, in terms of seeing their presidency uh, similar to his, where he took over at a time in the Great Depression, tried to usher through, uh, you know, New Deal spending programs, uh, and 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 similarly try to remake a lot about of what government does for citizens. And I, I, so I think Biden has has leaned in even more than most presidents to the 100-day concept, um, believing that he, you know, he, he had all these markers that he wanted to sort of forecast, whether it's 100 million vaccination shots in 100 days. He asked for people to wear masks for the first 100 days. He said a majority of schools would be reopened within 100 days. He really kind of... Um, bought into the 100-day framing, you know, and as you point out, just as a way to sort of get his administration off with some momentum, thinking that 100 days is, is short enough that people can conceptualize that it's, that things will change, but it's long enough to be able to do some things and, and start to, to get the administration off to a start. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that that's where Biden is at right now is, is kind of reflecting on the past 100 days and the, and the markers that he set, many of which he accomplished. Um, you could argue that he was setting artificially low goals that he would definitely exceed, which most politicians have a rule of uh, under-promising and over-delivering. And by those metrics, Biden, you know, he met all of his, all of his goals and exceeded many of them in the first 100 days. So um, it is a time for his administration, at least, to reflect on on what they've done so far and, and try to outline, I think, the next kind of chapter in, in his administration. Yeah. OK, Matt Visor, I know you uh, have to run, but I really appreciate the time you gave us uh, this morning to talk about uh, the president and uh, his speech and this agenda. Thanks so much for joining us on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, I want to continue the conversation here with uh, some of the calls that we have. Uh, let's go to Karen in Farmington Hills. Karen, what's on your mind? Hi, thanks Hi. for taking my call. Um, I think that we are definitely a racist country, and that the problem is is we've never gone through truth and reconciliation. Hmm. The Republicans want reconciliation without the truth, and we're finally starting to get to the truth. We're finding to pay attention to the fact of how urban renewal destroyed communities, uh, black communities in our own city. And, and, and we've never come to grips with that because we've never talked about it. So the truth has to come before the reconciliation. Yeah. If they're afraid to look at the truth, we'll never get there. Yeah, Karen, that is such an important uh, point to make. And, and I guess I would add to that that um, it's not just truth but accounting that we need. And I think that is the thing that scares many white Americans, this this idea of being held accountable for the things that have happened in the past and for the things that continue today. There's there's this sort of dynamic when we talk about race in this in this country that gets everybody to personalize it, right? And and to think that they're being 
uh, told that uh, that they are the problem or that they are at fault for the inequality that uh, that exists. And and I thought one of the things that Senator Scott was trying to do in his speech was alleviate that. He was trying to say, look, you, you know, uh, this is not a racist country. Uh, and, and what he means by that is that Americans are not racist. I think one of the one of the really powerful parts of what he was trying to say is to, is trying to forgive white America for uh, the state of things. Uh, and and the danger of that of course is that uh, it makes it more personal, but it, but it also uh, takes it out of the institutional context and it's that institutional context uh, that is that is the most powerful part of race racism and inequality in America. I mean, it, it it is about individual actions in some cases, but individual actions aside, uh, there there are systems and institutions in this country that are racist in their very core. They are uh, created uh, from the racism that helped found this country, and there is no way. Uh, to deal with uh, those things without confronting them as racist, but that makes a lot of white Americans feel personally culpable. And uh, there's this kind of dance that uh, that people like Tim Scott are trying to do around that. And as you point out, Karen, uh, you have to deal with the truth first. You have to deal with what happened and what's happening uh, in order to get to to do a different space. So, uh, Karen, I really appreciate the call. Uh, and the comments there. Uh, let, let's quickly go to David in Bloomfield Hills. David, welcome to the show. Good morning, all. I'd like to address the question of, is there racism in the United States? Of course there's racism in the United States. It's it's not politically correct today to, to say, I don't want to live next door to a black person, or I'm not going to hire a black person it's just not politically correct, and people don't want to be called out on something that's not politically correct. I'm 78 years old. I lived during a time when there was white flight, when there was ill education for African Americans, when it was open to say, I'm not going to live next door to a black person. Today, you don't say that. It's, it's done in hushed groups which I have been in and been dismayed to uh, the nth degree. If there's not racism in this country, then I'm the north end of a southbound horse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the idea that, that there isn't racism in the country and that somehow the inequalities we see are the fault of African Americans or uh, just the, the the result of bad luck. I mean, I th- there's something very attractive about that to many white Americans. The idea that there isn't any responsibility for what we see, uh, or that the gaps that we are identifying are somehow false or made up. Uh, it, it's all very, very dangerous, and I, I think it's uh, it is increased in danger by orders of magnitude. To have someone like Tim Scott, who is the only African-American member of the GOP caucus in the Senate, come out and say that before the entire nation. Um, the, the attractiveness of what he said to white Americans who want to deny what is happening and what has happened in this country is, uh, is 
quite a danger, I think, to not just the conversation that we're having, uh, but to the nation as a whole, because we have got to deal with this this inequality. We have got to to come to to reckon with uh, the things that uh, were baked into this country's founding and that have affected uh, its operation every single day uh, since. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we are going to move on and talk about policing and public safety with someone who knows the subject well in the context of Detroit. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.